Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shadows at the Door is an audio drama podcast designed to scare and delight you. While rarely explicit, it is nonetheless produced with an adult audience in mind. Welcome to the finale of Season 2. We've been excited to bring this particular story to you for some time now. However, as the season progressed, and we came closer and closer to its release, there was a feeling of apprehension. This, after all, is the final episode of the season. Who else will remind you to drink tea every two weeks? Well, despite promising myself to take a break for a month or two after the season wrapped, It seems I've already started writing the first script of Season 3. At this point you may ask yourself, when will this come out? Well, that depends. Quite simply, we can begin production once funding is secure for Season 3. So please do consider donating to our Ko-fi account, which you can find in the show notes, and do help us spread the word so that Shadows at the Door can continue to grow and gain more loyal listeners such as yourself. This story returns to Professor Troughton, and can be enjoyed as a standalone episode, however listeners will find a great deal more to enjoy if they hear the previous chapters of the Professor's story. If you'd like to refresh your memory, or hear these for the first time even, we've collected his stories in our recent Convinced Disbeliever episode. But now is finally the time for the new story, which I've called Settle Thy Studies. So. Gather around the fire, pour yourself some tea, and we'll begin.
A formative influence on my undergraduate self was the response of a respected elder statesman of the Oxford History Faculty when an American visitor had just publicly disproved his favorite theory. The old man strode to the front of the lecture hall, shook the American warmly by the hand, and declared in ringing, emotional tones, My dear fellow, I wish to thank you. I have been wrong these fifteen years. And we clapped our hands red. Can you imagine such a thing now in any setting? When was the last time you examined your beliefs or opinions and considered an alternative? Can you imagine a government minister being cheered in the House of Commons for a similar admission? Resign, resign is a much more likely response. If you've been following my work, then you'll know I've asked uncomfortable questions. Questions raised following personal encounters with the unexplained and finding no explanation or solace in existing explanations or collective knowledge. And no, I am no scientist, and this has made my search for answers, or even a mere discussion on the topic, difficult to say the least. Time and time again I've been told such an exploration is not compatible with science and our understanding of the world. However, I argue that the appetite for mystery, the enthusiasm for that which we do not understand, is healthy and to be fostered. It is the same appetite which drives the best of true science. And yet I find myself pushing against a door that may never open. At what point do I admit the endeavour futile? It's been three years since my own encounter in Anworth, Irving's subsequent haunting here in Coventry, and now almost a year since the incident with Parkins in Suffolk. Unsure regarding that encounter, though I remain. And therein lies the difficulty. When searching for answers, one can so easily fall victim to confirmation bias. In fact, when the brain witnesses evidence to the contrary, it can so often process it as an actual attack. We are hardwired to dig in our heels. After all, the growing numbers of the Flat Earth Society, for example, possess a near superhuman level of stubborn... Uh, no, that's a tangent if ever there was one. <clears throat> afternoon? Uh, afternoon. Working lunch, is it? Yeah, something like that, yes. Well, it's a decent enough day for it. Yes, the office felt a little stuffy and... Uh, Irving's bench. Irving's bench, yes. You know, I don't see many others using it. If I didn't know better, I'd say everyone saves it for you. You might be right, though most of the students who would have been here when it happened will have since left. Hmm. Are you ready for tomorrow? More or less. Just hope I can keep the undergraduates awake. <laughs> You'll do fine, I'm sure. You have a very engaging way of speaking, no matter the topic. <laughs> it's nothing too boring, is it? By Romania a biocultural account of Byron's early popularity around the globe. Ah, yes. Amazing title, right? Eh, I've heard worse. In any case, if you really want to send them to sleep, you should try teaching them the domestic policies of Cardinal Wolsey. <laughs> Think I'll stick to Byron, thanks. Eh, I can't blame you. Sometimes I suspect people are only interested in history if someone's head is being chopped off. 
Maybe you should try and squeeze more sex in there. <laughs> I shall leave that to the experts. <gasps> Excuse me? Hey, Byron. Byron. I, 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 I meant Byron. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, well... Uh... So you still want that lift? Uh, yes, please. Which reminds me I need to book a room in the hotel. Make sure you do. You're not sharing my room. Perish the thought. Be ready for ten, yeah? I'll be there. Right. I'm off to find some lunch. Enjoy. Sorry to have kept you waiting so long. Uh, it wasn't where it was supposed to be. Uh, not to worry. I've been here 18 months and I'm still correcting the records of the previous librarian. Mm. <sighs> Nonetheless, I found it. Oh, excellent. The Tragical History of the Life and Death of Dr. Faustus. Mm-hmm. 1620 edition. Yes, here's the telltale typographical error on the cover. Or would you like to look through it yourself? Am I not tormented with 10,000 hells in being deprived of everlasting bliss? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry? Uh, a quote. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Uh, of course. Uh, anyway, be my guest. Uh, have you read Faustus yourself? No. Uh, though I did see a production on the West End a few years back. Oh, mm-hmm. Anyway, hand me your teacup. Uh, you have finished, haven't you? Oh, oh yes. Right you are. Uh, if you pop these gloves on. Yep. Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like the drawing here. Mephistopheles poking out of the floor. Yes, quite bold for the period. Oh. Oh, this... <laughs> this really is beautiful. So well preserved. Settle thy studies, Faustus, and begin to sound the depths of that thou wilt profess. This is your speciality, isn't it? Uh, somewhat. Uh, I'm exploring literature following the end of the Tudor period. I have a few theories, you see. Uh, oh, I meant, you know, uh, spook stories. Devils and all that. Yes, well, I contacted you through the university in my capacity of Professor of History. Oh, yes, of course, of, of course. I'd always happy to assist with Warwick, uh, but when I got your email and saw your name, uh, well, I remembered you on Newsnight. Yeah. thought that Emily Maidless was quite hard on you. Mm, yes, well, you certainly won't be seeing me on television again. Oh, really? That's a shame. I was under the impression I was there to add to a discussion on the rise of spiritualism, but it soon became an ambush, and, well, you saw it. In hindsight, I think I was a little naive. It wasn't that bad. Perhaps not, but the university felt embarrassed by the whole event, if truth be told. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep your head down, was the instruction. Uh, that's rough. So, the presence of our demonic friend here is purely coincidental. I'm here as a historian and a historian alone, yes? Of course, Professor. Ah, yes. 
Yes, here's what I'm really here for. The amendments by Samuel Rowley. Some of the notes are illegible in the scanned versions. So you wouldn't be interested in a spook story or two, then? Hmm? With you being here in your official capacity, you wouldn't be interested in anything spooky? Spooky? Well, you know, sorting the mess that has been the library archives. I've come across one or two things that have the potential to pique interest. Now, now, Mr. Garrett, let's concentrate on our friend Dr. Faustus here. Oh, uh, of course. In fact, I'm going to take some notes. So you're not interested in the monkey's paw we found? An actual monkey's paw? (laughs) Yeah. Properly preserved, of course, and in a glass case and all that, but still. A little on nose, don't you think? You could say that, yes. There's a reason it's in the archives and not on display, after all. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Though, joking aside, you might be interested in Catch Love Hall. That's Tudor. Well, I can see you're keen to tell me. So, two weeks ago, I had a request come through for any information we had on the hall. Naturally, I'd never heard of it, but it was this trust who had emailed, and they were convinced we had records here in Cardiff. And, well, there was a pretty decent payment being offered for any and all information. Uh, Which trust was this? Oh, um... What was it? Uh, Bracebridge. Bracebridge. That's the one. Uh, Have you heard of it? I don't think so. From what I can gather, they operate a number of properties across the country. Uh, privately, you understand. And they'd recently come into possession of Catch Love. It's not far from here, in the wetlands of all places. They wanted anything and everything we had on it, so naturally we obliged. Uh, the strange thing is, they wanted hard copies, not duplicates. Seems a little unorthodox. Well, yes. Initially, we declined, but a notable donation came with a second request, and, well, at this point it was out of my hands and the higher-ups said to go ahead. Hmm. And here's the thing, Catchlove hasn't been occupied this side of the Second World War, and it changed hands often enough before that, enough that it piqued my interest because it always sold for cheap. And I did a little dig in, plenty of rumours about that place, you see, plenty. Your spook stories, then? (laughs) One or two that I could verify among the rumour mill. Uh, There was Lady Washington around the late 1700s, for example. Her husband died of reasons unknown, and she must have been heartbroken because she threw herself off the roof. The thing is, you see, she didn't die. So she lay there in the wet marsh, crippled and broken. When the servants found her the next morning, she was still gasping, it seems. As they moved her, though, she let out this horrible scream and died right there in their arms. They recorded she was alive purely by luck of the angle she had landed. Well, I I say luck. By all accounts, she must have lain there in terrible pain all night, bless her. That's about, what, eight hours? Horrible. Ghastly. And here's how I found her story to start with. The children of the nearby village, who would sneak into wetlands to play, often reported seeing the mangled corpse of Lady Washington among the reeds and grass, just waiting to grab them. (laughs) Well, of course, there was a young boy who did drown in the marshes some years later. It doesn't take a lot to tie these two stories together. Sometimes the rumours just start themselves, you know. Have you corroborated all of these details? Pretty much. And even the unsubstantiated rumours, together they all say the same thing. Something bad happens, and then when the next incident happens, it's all blamed on the last. So, the little boy who drowned, soldiers camping nearby some years later, allegedly reported hearing the wails of a child in the night. 
and one thing I could verify was that there was a fire back in the mid-1700s which nearly destroyed the place, took half the servants and the east wing. Hmm. This isn't entirely surprising. It's not uncommon of a building of such an age to accumulate such tragedies. Yes, but here's the thing that may interest you in particular. Do you listen to many podcasts, Professor? Occasionally. Uh, Though, please, don't recommend that gaming podcast episode to me. My inbox has been flooded with that. Uh, No, no, no. I I don't listen to many myself, actually. But while I was looking for whatever I could about the hall, I found this sort of haunted history one. Uh, They were covering Cardiff and the surrounding areas, and they had this audio from a YouTube channel of a lad who'd visit haunted locations. Well, supposedly haunted. I can't say I'm very much interested in ghost hunters, Mr. Garrett. Trust me, you'll want to hear this one. It's sort of complicated. So this lad on YouTube, I saw a few of his videos and it's mostly him getting the shivers over coats hanging in the dark and whatnot. Absolute rubbish, most of it. And the podcast featured him? Well, when they get to discussing Catch Love Hall, they play audio from the lad's channel. Thing is, his Catch Love video isn't on his YouTube channel. It's missing. The only recording of it exists within a segment of this podcast. Are you implying the video was taken down? Maybe. I mean, it looks like it, doesn't it? Catch Love isn't written in the show notes anywhere. I only heard this because I was listening to their Haunted Cardiff special. If someone was taking down videos and such, they wouldn't have caught this podcast. And why would someone want to take mentions of Catch Love down? Scrub the reputation clean, maybe? The info we had here was sparse, and that's gone now. So there's next to nothing about it in circulation. Maybe someone intends to flip the property and sell it on? Perhaps so. So why will I find this so interesting then? You'll see. Welcome to our Haunted Cardiff episode. Join us as we explore the Welsh capital and see what creepy ghouls are lurking in the shadows. Just skip to the right part. Mm -hmm. Of course, this is where they found the classic episode of Doctor Who. Which brings us to that aforementioned yeah, mm-hmm. Catch Love Hall episode of Franklin Gets Scared. Go on, have a listen. We'll think you'll agree the footage is really something. Inspired title. Uh, listen, listen. So I was waiting in the car for the time to go out now. Oh, the land is barely solid as it is. It's just a little further ahead. Uh, managed to get through the window, and it's been roughly 15 minutes. And... Oh, Christ, I hope the camera's picking this up. Someone there? Hello? <clears throat> Hello? Um, if anyone's there, I'm speaking to the spirit that abides here. If you can, please can you speak with me? Fuck! Well, that was certainly dramatic. (laughs) Tell me about it. Was he okay? Well enough to announce on Twitter he was taking a break. When was this recorded? 
From what I can gather, the original recording was early September. Just over two months ago, then. What did you think of the name? Name? The name the ghost said. Don't call it that, please. What? Ghost? Yes. Uh, All right, then. Um, So you didn't hear the name? Can't say I did, no. Let me just... um, There. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Um, Howden, is that? Troughton. No. Listen again. I'm sorry. That's definitely Troughton. I suppose it does sound like it. And here's the thing. Your query about Dr. Faustus landed in my inbox the very next day after I heard this. I thought, the Professor Troughton? What luck. Wait until I show him this. Uh, Mr. Garrett. And now you're here. You've got bloody ghosts in Catastrophe Hall calling your name. Mr. Garrett. I can hardly accuse you of luring me here under false pretenses. After all, it was me who contacted you. This this series of events is merely coincidence. One you are simply assigning more importance to after some, dare I say, zealous investigations into a local legend. Uh, Ah, see, Professor, I don't believe in coincidences. But I do. At least in this instance. Well, I, I am sorry... No, it's quite all right. Thank you. But let me be clear. I am not Karnaki or Harry Price or some other ghost hunter you've imagined. I am simply an academic who has asked some questions, yes, with increasing publicity, but that is all. Honestly, I I didn't mean any upset. I'd read your article in The Guardian and then saw you on Newsnight and that was all I'd heard. I thought you'd be interested, is all. I, I didn't mean anything by it. No, of course you didn't. I'm the one who should be sorry. This is perhaps a uh, a weighty topic. Shall we get back to Dr. Faustus? I think that would be best. Excellent. Because I think you'll be very interested in what we have on page seven. Uh, let me just turn the pages here. Ah, here we are. As you can see, we've got a beautiful woodcut picture. I spent another few hours in the library archives. Thankfully, I was able to persuade Mr. Garrett to leave me be after a while. Eventually, I'd learnt what I could from the printing, though in truth it wasn't a great deal. I think perhaps I was simply happy to see it with my own eyes. I've long been fascinated by antiquities, you see, objects produced before I even existed. I like to imagine the effort that went into their creation, about the hands that crafted them and the hearts and minds that guided them. It's a beautiful reminder of life before we come into the world, and how life will continue long after we depart this plane. How not only life will continue, but how beautiful things that I will never get to see will be created. It is perhaps why my vocation as a historian still prevails despite the strange events of the last few years. I returned to the hotel a few hours before Tasha was due back from her lecture. I had decided to rest my eyes but was unable to drift off. In fact, I was frustrated to find the tales of Mr. Garrett had taken root in my mind, pervading my every idle thought. I viewed images of Catchlove Hall online, a solitary half-timbered building in presumably vernacular architecture. I'd seen a thousand like it. 
However, not one that stood in wetlands, one accessible only when the tide was low. I stared at the images for some time and before long located the podcast episode I'd been shown earlier. I listened to the recording thrice more and each time it sounded more and more like my own name. Then the old itch began to flare, one that could not be truly scratched without fully giving into it. At this point I grew almost furious how easily I was tempted back into such things by gossip and hearsay. Instead I had a shower, a long warm shower, and tried to wash such thoughts and impulses away. However, when I pulled back the curtain and observed the large mirror, the glass now consumed by condensation, I saw at once a singular word written in unfamiliar and aggressive handwriting. Troughton. Do you know what this sounds like? What does it sound like? Unresolved trauma. In... Possibly a little narcissism combined with faux celebrity. Well, I'm glad you didn't hold back. Well, I wouldn't want to insult your intelligence. I'm grateful to have you to protect my ego. Oh, that's my point. Intelligent people are the bloody worst at this. Oh, yes. People with a lot of intelligence, emotional or otherwise, are usually very intuitive and are able to decipher their own feelings or play out likely scenarios in a heartbeat. Yeah? Sit someone like you in front of a therapist and they're just waiting to be outsmarted. They reckon they already have everything sussed out and the only reason why they're in that chair in the first place is because they think, or rather they hope, that therapist has some cheat sheet or they'll whip out a pocket watch and hypnotise their problems away. People like this can be the absolute worst for things like core beliefs. They're so bloody convinced their beliefs, anxieties, biases, whatever, are cast iron fact. But you know I'm exploring other options. You have! You were assaulted. Then one of your closest mates took his own life. And yes, those were terrible things and they shouldn't have happened and it's so, so unfair, but... Jeffrey, you gave up on therapy. You honestly can't rule this out. Rule what out? That you've externalised your trauma. That you've externalised it in these supernatural figures. It doesn't help that the business in Suffolk added fuel to the fire. You could lose your job. Tasha, I've made these same points to myself time and time again. I've accepted that there are some things I may not ever find explanation for, and yes, my position at the university has become less secure, and and please, believe me when I tell you I've done my best to put this behind me. Each day I've... Each day is work, hard work. It's shoveling another pile of dirt on top of it, and I'd just finished filling the grave, but to continue the clumsy metaphor, the soil was light and what was buried had unearthed so quickly, and now it's wet and raw and demanding to be addressed. You're talking about therapy, so so surely you you can see that that ignoring these things, by by burying them, it's only going to cause me harm. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> I've not been sure of anything for three years. <laughs> you were bloody sure about not having a birthday cake last month. I'll let you in on a little secret. Go on. I only did it because I knew you'd all sing and make a fuss. <laughs> and you social bastard. <laughs> if you'd left a cake on my desk and then ran off, I'd have been quite happy. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk you out of going, am I? Oh. I have to find out, Tasha. I'm sorry. Christ, you are stubborn. <laughs> and besides, how do you explain the name on my mirror? Short of you doing it yourself to prove your point, subconscious or otherwise? Tasha. Well, I can't. Well, I'm pleased I took a picture, otherwise you'd have accused me of imagining it. You're probably right. <sighs> Fine. I'm sorry? Don't play coy, Troughton. You've won. We're going. Oh. And, and you're coming? Well, you can't drive. <laughs> and, well, if there is a spooky ghost, you'll want to witness, won't you? <laughs> I suppose so. And what if there isn't? I'm not sure. But it might be the first step in truly laying this all to rest. Who knows? All right then, let's go. You can buy me a drink when we get back. Those cocktails look nice. That's only fair. Surprised though I was at Tasha's decision, I was thankful for her presence. She was entirely correct. Another witness could be invaluable if anything were to be seen. There was no real plan once we got there. In this respect, I was no better than the YouTube personalities I had so readily mocked. Or, perhaps this is not correct in a strange sense, I had felt invited. And as we arrived at the wetlands and gingerly drove down an ever-disappearing gravel road, it felt as if I had always been coming here. That everything I had been through was to bring me to this very place. Before long, we saw it. Catchlove Hall stood alone, elevated above the still waters of the wetlands. Its asymmetrical design belied a firm structure and towering presence. I had failed to remember the issue of the tide making access initially impossible, but luckily the tide was already receding, and as such we sat on the bonnet of the car and waited. Or more, we watched. The setting sun stretched fingers of light over the surface of the water, grasping at the waves as it was dragged from view. Soon we were left only with the dull glow of its memory on the horizon, and as our eyes adjusted to the new darkness, the features of the hall became clear once again. The windows, though dark and mostly without glass, appeared as eyes, and for as long as we looked at the hall, it seemed to look back. Eventually the path was cleared and we made our way to the small island housing the hall. As we did, I kept both eyes on the windows. It suddenly dawns on me that I didn't ask how the lecture went. <laughs> you want to ask this now? While we're breaking and entering? We're doing no such thing. This is for science. Did you just try and make a joke? Maybe. Ah, here we go. This one is completely missing. Uh, so, how did it go? I can't believe 
talk me into this. There we are. Better than I thought it would actually. They stay awake anyway. Jesus, this place is a mess. Well, it hasn't been lived in since the 40s, apparently. Mm, I don't know. I think this huge amount of spiders must count as tenants. Mm, I've never been keen on spiders. Oh, these are nothing. At least British spiders won't kill you. Say no more. All seems quite unremarkable. Do you feel that? What? You mean the cold? Yes. In the rickety old house by the sea with smashed windows? Yes, but still. Confirmation bias, Geoffrey. Open mind, Tasha. Come on, Geoffrey, I'm in the bloody house. What more do you want? I know. Hey. Wait. Do you hear that? Fuck! Convinced yet? It's an old house, Geoffrey. We could be causing it. Well, there's no question now. Someone's here! Maybe not. What do you mean? We should go! No, no, listen. Don't forget to leave your comments. <laughs> Let me know where I should get again. Jesus Christ! Can you locate the source? No! Precisely. I don't think someone is here. Okay. Okay. I think you've got your answer today, don't you think? I... I just need more. Jeffrey! Hello? You've made contact. That much is very clear. The question is, for what purpose? Is there something you want? Something we can help you with? Something I can help you with? Something I can help you with? Yes, a repetition. Is this how you communicate? Are you trying to establish a dialogue? Are you... are you learning? You were right! Now it's time to go! What? Jeffrey! Yes. Yes, I think you're right. Come on back through here! Tasha! Tasha! Jeffrey, it wasn't me! I... Tasha! Tasha, just hold on. I, I can't get the door open. There's, there's no other way in. Tasha! Tasha! What's going on? Tasha! Not again. Not again. Tasha! Tasha, just hang on. I, I'm going to see what I can find to break the door down. I'll be right back. Just be okay. Please. Kitchen. Okay, uh, there must be something here. Uh, 
Come on. Uh. Yeah. Uh, this I'll have to do. Tasha, I've I found a butcher's knife. This might do it. I'll need you to stand. What? Tasha, Tasha, are are you okay? Ta Tasha. God, Tasha. You know what this sounds like? Tasha, I... Do you know what this sounds like? I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Tasha, stay back, please. Please, please, just just stay back. Uh, let me try so... Drama! <laughs> <laughs> Tasha, I, I don't want to hurt you. Tasha, drop the knife. You don't want to hurt me as much as I don't want to hurt you. You're strong, Tasha. You are so strong. You can beat this. The great outcome of life is sensation. To feel that we exist. I won't fight you. Even in pain. <laughs> My arm. Why? Why did you call me here? Let me you want let her go! Take me instead! Well? Come on then! Yes, that's right. Leave her! It's me you wanted! Angry. There's, there's nothing after the, the. There's nothing. And they are so angry at us. For what? 
living. Jeffrey, we have to get out of here. Let me help you. Okay. Ah. Uh, uh, uh. We were able to leave without obstruction. I'm not sure if the reason was because we had somehow subdued the presence in Catchlove Hall, or if it had simply permitted it. I was unsure then, and I remain unsure now. And no, no bedsheet-clad spirit came running out after us, and no noise was to be heard. It was as if the entire building were holding its breath. The wounds in my arms were deep, though not life-threatening. We limped to the car and called an ambulance, concocting a story about falling down nearby rocks and encountering barbed wire. They seemed to believe us. I'm not ignorant of the privilege the title of professor can bestow onto a person, a man in particular. Leaving the hospital, we returned to our hotel rooms to find ourselves one hour away from checkout. Tired and exhausted, we headed to nearby Cardiff Bay. Tasha suggested ice cream. I opted for chocolate mint. This is weird. Your ice cream? No. We're just sitting here. Alive. And last night we were nearly... I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But it's not. What nearly happened happened because I insisted on going. You had no idea. Well, that may be, but this isn't the first time, is it? No. I think that might even be the reason. Hmm? After the first time in Anworth, being touched, not physically, although... <laughs> being touched by the other side, perhaps it, uh, it left a mark. And you think it explains everything since? It's just a theory for now. But Irving saw his before you did. I saw a presence on the road on the way to Irving's cottage, remember? Besides, I was tainted in such a way then that doesn't imply exclusivity. It can and does happen to other people. I might simply, uh, attract them. And what about me? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> You'll be fine. You don't know that, do you? That's just something people say. I'm sure Dr. Tasha Flanagan can handle anything life throws at her. <laughs> Too right. Anyway, check you out. You're not so weak yourself. I wouldn't say so. There are many things I struggle with. What, like talking to the opposite sex? Oh, come now. No, no. Come on now. We have not just gone through all that together for us to be shy now. Well, I'm talking to you right now. I don't count. We're mates. Plus, I had to force that on you. Where's this coming from? Come on. When did it all become so important? I haven't even hit my mid-forties yet, and my God, how things have changed. Why, why must we have flags that announce our sexual activities, or, or lack thereof, to the world? Well, they help people feel pride in who they are. Gives them a sense of community. Oh, sorry, I... Uh, that, that's, a, that's not what I meant. Uh, it's, it's wonderful, truthfully, but... Uh, but what about 
Those of us without pride. Hey, I shouldn't have pushed. I'm sorry. It's okay. Women. They scared me. And believe me, the irony of telling you this isn't lost on me. I used to think women scared me. Going to public school didn't help, of course, not a girl to be seen. So by the time I left, well, the fairer sex seemed almost alien. And as such, I was more than happy to take a step back, even when back home around town. But the other boys... Uh, <laughs> well, men, I suppose, they couldn't wait. Leaving school was the time for their frustrations to come to an end. And at Oxford, well, I could... <laughs> I could see how they hounded women... So even if I had wanted to interact with them, I hardly had the chance. And even then, I didn't want to be another fly buzzing around them. <laughs> At least, that was the position I took when asked. Not that I wanted to, of course. Bachelor's degrees, master's doctorates, well, they require work, don't they? And... Uh, and sacrifice. So fear gave way to uh, to duty, I suppose. Duty to my education, my career. And if I'm going to be terribly honest, I never saw them in that way. Women, that is. So there's been no one? <laughs> Besides a few awkward fumbles under the sheets at boarding school? No. No, those, those possibilities never fully materialised. They never have, really. You know, I think Irving knew rest his soul. I should have spoken to him about it, really. I could have done with a friend like that, and he certainly tried. I wish I could have let him know, but... <laughs> but how could I? I've never truly been myself, you see. I've been a, a hollow version of myself. And rather than reach out for help or connection, I seem to have um, doubled down, withdrawing into myself, putting up wall after wall so that the version of myself you see is, is more a concept than an actual person. And that worked for so long. But it is a lonely place. Very cold. Sometimes I'm somewhat happy about that, and other times... not so much. Perhaps this is why I've entertained the supernatural, the idea of beings existing removed from the world from others. Well, it rather strikes a chord. Wow. 
Do you want a hug? Oh, good heavens, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can see this is terribly uncomfortable for the both of us, but... Uh, but you, you... You've earned this. My honesty, I mean, uh, what we've been through... Uh, <laughs> well, if we didn't bond over that, we'd be as dead as those inside the hall. Ah, oh, so you're using the G word, then. Let's elevate ourselves above such monikers, shall we? You snob. Well, I did go to Oxford, you know. You know I'm bi, right? I think the entire faculty knows. <laughs> Oi! Ah! Oh! <laughs> Not my arm. Ooh, yeah. How's the pain? I, yeah, I'm looking forward to my next dose of painkillers. <sighs> anyway, finish your ice cream. We'll head back and then you can get some rest. Yes. Yes, indeed. I just need to write an email and then I'll be going straight to bed. Oh yeah? Anything exciting? My letter of resignation. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story. Dark Dice. A horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Settle Thy Studies, written by me. And I am joined by Professor Troughton himself, David Old. Hello, Professor. <laughs> Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, it's a bit bittersweet, you know, the finale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is this death? <laughs> <laughs> Feels different this time. <laughs> <laughs> A tear, Mark Nixon? Oh, God. It's been seconds. It's been mere seconds. It's it's like, you know, when you listen to, like, when you watch two characters with, with like, sexual tension, and you're like, oh, just fuck already. There's a listener <laughs> listening to us going, just make a Doctor Who podcast already. Mm, yeah, very true. <laughs> okay, sorry, everyone. How are you, David? <laughs> yes, I'm very well, thanks, Mark. How about you? You've just asked me. I know, but it's just one of those reflex reactions of being British. <laughs> so we have made it to the end of the second season. What an amazing series it has been. It really has. You know, when we embarked on it, I did not expect it to go in all the directions that it did. <laughs> yes. You know, people people assume 
that a season is a point from A to B when really it's a big ball of wibbly wobbly <laughs> horrory worry stuff. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I started that thought and then I realized where I was going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at the break the cloister bell at this point. I know. Um, yeah, so uh, it has gone in a lot of different directions, as you say. I mean, we started off, uh, well, we started off with Blessed Be the Man. Mm-hmm. Then we took a little bit of uh, a break before hitting everyone hard with slender chances. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then on onwards and throughwards, and and here we are at the end of the season. I mean, here we are with Satellite Studies. Yeah, a title that actually, on reflection, sounds a lot like Blessed Be the Man. Mm. In that set of thy studies is the Marlowe quote, but that wasn't deliberate. Uh, I don't have the title for a story until about halfway through. Mm. And because of Troughton's revelation at the end that he's marked by the spirit from Leave a Light on for me, I nearly called it The Mark. But then you can't have a story called The Mark by Mark Nixon. Mm, yes. It has almost Wahlbergian ego behind it. <laughs> Being Mark Nixonovich. <laughs> Mark Nixonovich, I like that. <laughs> That's what the scholars will say. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so settle thy studies, and um, it's almost a sort of physician heal thyself or professor teach thyself. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was trying to be clever in the script because it's it's one of the first few lines. Uh, it's it's from the first page, I think, of Doctor Faustus. It's meant to be able to be a little bit of foreshadowing in two ways. Settle thy studies in that it could be Troughton's trying to lead a double life at the minute. He's trying to be a professor at Warwick, and he's also trying to investigate paranormal. He's he's trying to kind of dance that line in between. So in, in Silent Warnings, he, he kind of put it behind himself and he wrote it off. In Blessed Be the Man, you, you saw the beginnings of him trying to lead that double life, and it kind of isn't working. Mm. And... You know, as we've learned, he's he's actually been on the radio, he's been on television, and he's actually started to to make his job untenable. Mm. It's kind of an instruction: settle thy studies. You will have to stop investigating spooky shit mm-hmm. in order to have a secure job. Or if you really want to pursue this, you're going to have to give up your job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was me trying to be clever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, whenever you get any kind of uh, celebrity or especially academic, coming out and saying, oh, well, maybe there is something more to this, uh, then there will be a certain section of the population which will just jump straight down their throats saying, superstition, absolute rubbish, how can you? And that that's sort of the end of their um, their tenure of, as, of, being, um, of being taken seriously. Which... <sighs> It's, it's it's a shame because, you know, I mean, I'm not a scientist, David, you are, but <laughs> it's my understanding that scientists delight in being proved wrong. You're constantly trying to disprove your own theory in order to prove it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But there is there is a, obviously a certain section of the population, I think we've, we've been here before, uh, that takes the idea of we must be able to see it to be able to accept it as fact. And, and Troughton had a ghost... Mm-hmm. strangling him in the first story and then he kind of dismissed it yes yes uh but it's it's the the problem that there are some people that will take that idea to immense levels to almost religious levels so you have to prove it to me 
rather than there should be you know it, it's great if you've got subjective proof but if i can't see it touch it have it strangle me then it doesn't exist <laughs> if i can't get to third base with it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I and again and and i'll be brief because i know we've touched on this in order to um Troughton is is an alarmingly uh, well formed character in my mind now. But in order before I start writing him, the danger of any writer is that your characters will have your voice. Mm. And for Troughton, he definitely doesn't have my voice. So I usually watch a few YouTube videos of of people like Richard Dawkins or, or Christopher Hitchens or Neil deGrasse Tyson, people who are usually they're very much in the uh, the well celebrities, and they're often brought out mm. to argue with someone, <laughs> like the Archbishop of Canterbury mm. or something, yeah. <laughs> and. Yes. Sometimes like, there's a there's a there's a Richard Dawkins. He's on like a Sunday morning chat show in the UK, and he's been brought on with a representation with a with a representative from some of the major religions. And uh, there's there's some kind of point made. It's something about punishing people, and the audience claps, and Dawkins loses uh, his temper, and he turns. It is the audience. his obedience in the context of a corrupt society that leads to his death. That is his sacrifice, and it is that which restores what was broken between God and human beings. So there can be no forgiveness without a death, is it? No, that no, right? it's not. I'm not saying that. There can be no well, forgiveness without cost. How can you applaud that? How can you applaud Because it's true. Mm. And I kind of, that's the kind of the, the mindset that I wanted to get into. But then I also don't want Troughton to keep on dancing this line because it's going to get frustrating. And how many mm. times can he... Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, how many gay experiences can someone have before they say they're experimenting? <laughs> 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 they can stop saying that anyway. Mm, yes, true. This story, I had an idea in my head for the story when I started writing it, but I knew there was going to be a moment where Troughton, when quite literally faced with a, a ghost, says to himself, quite calmly, well, there's no doubting it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that is it. But yes, he's, he, he has got more than enough subjective proof now. Mm-hmm. And yes, to to go back. So his world, his universe has opened up in to such an extent that he wouldn't be able to fit himself back into the narrow frame of thought mm. that would be necessary for keeping his job. Yeah. Basically. Mm. And and that's the that's the case for a lot of people, in fact. When they, they have experiences they then can uh, can no longer go back into into who they were it's it's a period of necessary growth mm -hmm. where suddenly the the old box is not big enough anymore and i i touch at it in this story as, as a theme but i think some of the hardest things it is for us to do is to change our minds sometimes absolutely yes and you know, when I was a younger man and teenager, I was terrible for it. I, I would really have an opinion and just never... I would listen, but not listen. Mm. And maybe maybe be polite, but often wasn't polite in hearing other opinions. And now... So this is why you're always on Twitter. <laughs> you're, you're basically the embodiment. Teenage Mark is the embodiment of Twitter. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I now make a point of challenging my opinions almost every day. And... Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very secure in my like political opinions because I know that I've really thought about it and I've I've really tried to look at it from all angles and yeah and yeah and I'm a hypocrite because I'm an atheist and yet sometimes I quite mm. like the idea of 
something more. Again, atheism is is another one of those ideas that's that's crystallized in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, basically, I'm I'm gonna say yeah, agnosticism is the way forward because we don't know. I got a cream for that, and we should be okay to say we should be able to say we don't know, mm. and be okay with that. And unfortunately, we live in a world where saying that you don't know or admitting defeat or admitting um yeah admitting any kind of weakness seems to be seized upon as some sort of moral dubiousness on your part you know i i said this to somebody the other day i think vulnerability although it appears weak i think is actually very it's a strength Mm, absolutely. You know, what is what what is stronger the 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 man refusing to cry um or the person who's a, who's showing you that they're very much overcome at this moment you know for whatever reason and, mm-hmm. you know yes vulnerability is is tremendously important uh, and it's it is the weaker man that hides behind something that is supposedly a, a defense mechanism mm-hmm uh, it's, it's just there going, no, no, this is my belief. This is, or this is uh, the, this is what I have accepted. This is my, and, and I think that's, and that kind of defensive posture is, is not as personally strong because you are hiding behind something. Hmm. But anyway, I think we've. Uh, <laughs> that's quite, that's quite an earnest uh, take for us. Uh, now on yeah. to the Lady Macbeth jokes. And... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You've made a joke after a, after a. Something emotional. Oh, Christ. You've gone for joking after serious. I've still got work to do. I've still got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also very aware of what our listeners are used to, David. This is That's just my true. brand. It's my it brand, is. David. I'm not emotionally broken. It's just <laughs> it's just our brand. <laughs> well, um, in t- talking about our brand and, and shadows at the door and uh, and slender chances and things... Um, there was a little Easter egg for our listeners, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. You inviting, uh, get, getting, um, getting famous guests on to do little slots. <laughs> uh, that's two things, okay, but uh, yeah. Two things, yeah, yeah. Dave is referring to the fact that my ego is now growing, <laughs> that I've, I seem to have created an expanded universe uh, because <laughs> Troughton, uh, when offered a spooky podcast, thinks it's the 8-bit refit episode of Slender Chances, <laughs> which I guess means that I have confirmed that Slender Man exists in Troughton's universe. So are we are we going to see Troughton versus Slender Man? Troughton versus Slender Man, Troughton versus Predator. <laughs> yes, whoever wins, we all lose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was just imagining what Troughton versus Predator would look like. <laughs> Little do you know that Predator is actually very susceptible to tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, you could take out my spine for your war, but uh, have you tried Earl Grey? <laughs> <laughs> With milk? No. You see, that, that, that's the vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> there are some things, David, I will never change my mind on. <laughs> <laughs> the YouTube video within the podcast. Um, so that voice was Nico. Oh. 
we've Nico and I have always talked about getting him on the show in some capacity, and he was going to join us for a discussion earlier this season, but diaries didn't work out. Nico's a busy man. I'm a busy man. Uh, we're all busy in our inevitable march towards the grave. But I got him on for the cameo, and I'm really glad that we did it. And of course, uh, Franklin uh, in Franklin Gets Scared is played uh, brilliantly by me. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. Those acting <laughs> lessons that you're giving me are really coming into play. I'm glad. I, I've been taking notes. <laughs> when I wrote Franklin, I thought it would be a good opportunity for a cameo, so I wrote it, uh, and not knowing I would have to play him. So there's a lot of screaming... <laughs> And and I changed a scream to just me going, oh, fuck, and then the camera just cutting out. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a bit where I'm going to be going, hello, who's there? What is it? And and I just wasn't happy because I'm not an actor and, and it wasn't good. So I just went, hello, <laughs> who's there a ghost? <laughs> Aww. Yes, very good. It was lovely to hear both of you in the show. Yeah. I just I just hope yeah. I didn't make you, Jake or Alana, feel uncomfortable um with how good I was. Oh, I think that's why we had to restrict you to such a small cameo. <laughs> just so you wouldn't outshine the rest of us. I still haven't re listened to Sleepy Hollow since it came out. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, we'll get there. Um, also, oh. you know, when my house is finally finished mm. being uh, renovated, I'm gonna, I'm setting up an actual recording booth. So, you know, hopefully, my end of these things will sound a lot better. We started the season with, I think, when we resumed season two, slender chances and message in a bottle were done. Nothing else was done. <laughs> yes. Um, I think at least four so, or five were not even written at that point. Four or five. Oh like, god, yeah. yeah. This this story was written like a month ago, and, <laughs> and you heard about the process of bread and salt. So yes, <laughs> thank God for guest writers <laughs> and dead ones as well. I, I was going to say, what have you done to Gemma? Um, but <laughs> Gemma, Hannah, and M are all well. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> you know, sometimes if I get a bit stuck, I'm like, oh, oh, no, uh, you know, Monty! <laughs> Monty, I need another story! No, not a whistle! I've told you! <laughs> no, not the stars of Barchester! Nothing happened! <laughs> I've got some, I've got some uh, controversial M.R. James hot takes, David. Not everything he wrote was brilliant. There's a story by Emma James that I do love, and I should be careful because I, I, this might end up in season three, called Lost Hearts, and it's about a young boy who goes to stay with his uncle in his guest house, and the uncle is overly familiar with him, and, he, and he's, they've never met, and he's and he greets him, he's like, oh, my boy, my boy, come here, oh, my boy, you're so strong, and he's very friendly with him, and all of the staff advise the boy not to trust him, and I'm like, oh my god, how... <laughs> This is very brave of M.R. James to write a child abuse story mm -hmm. in the middle of his collection of ghost stories. Oh, he just wants to kill him. Oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just wants to kill that child. Oh, I'm, I feel so much better. <laughs> yes. But, you know, speaking of, of Jake and Alana and, and yourself, I often wonder how it is for Jake, because Jake's performed words written by Russell T. Davis. and He has indeed, yes. He was in the last episode of Years and Years. Yeah, a phenomenal miniseries. Do you think anyone cares? 
about this lot? Who's watching you? Everyone! But I wonder how it is for Jake to perform words written by the great Russell T. Davis and then to perform mine, knowing that mine is better. Mm, you know, yeah, it must it must be weird for him. Well, it's it's just the progression, isn't it? The the progression of of how everything goes. <laughs> it start it starts off with Russell T. Davis, <laughs> and then only then can he move to Mark Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Russell T. Davis, of course, has written quite a few miniseries. He wrote a phenomenal one about Jesus coming back in Manchester. Ah, yes. Uh, starring yes. Christopher Eccleston. Uh, Cucumber, a miniseries I adore, which is about the lives of... So that's set in Manchester too. <laughs> I think it's where he <laughs> went to amazing. uni. And he moved there, I think. Mm, mm-hmm. And that was a phenomenal show. And, and then, of course, uh, years and years. And then a, a little-known revival of... Uh, hang on, let me just check my notes here. Doctor Who... Uh, Never heard of that. Me neither. Sounds pretty nerdy. <laughs> but what I adore about Davies is that um, he just will allow the story to stop just to give us some character development, like or a nice, uh, a, a nice monologue. And I think it's probably done best in Cucumber, which is just I, I don't know. I just feel like no one else. I remember talking to people at work about it when it came out because it has one partic- particularly shocking episode, and then, um, and then no one else seems to ever talk about it. And I'm just sat here going, "David, David, watch Cucumber. It's like the gayest thing." <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> and and Mike Flanagan also does the same, where you know he'll write something amazing, and then, and then it'll just stop for a monologue, and I'm quite guilty of sneaking those into <laughs> I mean there's definitely a few of those moments in this story. Oh yes. And yes. and that's why Tasha uh, I don't know if her surname is ever said. No it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Flanagan. Mm-hmm. That's why her surname is Flanagan. <laughs> and and speaking of that character, um I had told Alana that I just, I just really like Alana's accent. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound patronizing. I just think the Australian accent is just so pleasant. And I said to Alana, you know, you, you're going to be an Australian character again. And I just love that Tasha sounds absolutely nothing like Nat mm. in Santa Chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, even though they're two Australian women of a similar age. And I think that's testament to that. And and also the other accent that I love to hear is the Welsh accent. Ah. <laughs> and I was talking to Jake about uh, uh, Welsh accents and I think I did a really bad one. And Jake did one, and it was pretty good. And I said, well, Jake, you're screwed now, because now I'm going to write you a character who's Welsh, and I'm not kidding. That is the single reason why this story is set in Cardiff. (laughs) (laughs) But did Troughton go to Ianto's shrine? That's the question. Well, they did go to Cardiff Bay Mm -hmm. at the very end of the story, Mm -hmm. because I thought, I'm going to do it if... Because I looked at Cardiff, I've been to Cardiff, and and I looked at it on on the maps, and, and then... I saw this wetland not that far from it. So I thought that'll be where Catchlove Hall is. Mm. And and I was looking at it with, with some pictures and I thought I'm going to have to end it in Cardiff Bay as <laughs> uh, a few episodes of Doctor Who and many episodes of Torchwood did. Yes, yes. I mean, do do we find out that Tasha is in fact the face of Bo? <laughs> that was never confirmed. Although I believe Russell T Davis uh, confirmed that on Twitter this year. Did he? Okay. With one of the many watch along parties. Ah, yes, yes, of course. 
during lockdown. But speaking of that scene, David, my big question for you is how was your ice cream? But my question for you, Mark, is why do you think Troughton wanted chocolate mint? <laughs> and and because, I mean, why wouldn't he say mint choc chip like a normal person? But why would he go for that anyway? Raspberry Ripple is obviously the way to go. <laughs> Do you know what this is? This is there is a deliberate reason for it. Um, I just thought that if Troughton were, were to have an ice cream, he wouldn't go for a really like common flavor. He would, he'd be like that dickhead who always. Can I have the most obscure ice cream? No, like no, no. I just don't think. I mean, I love cookie dough, and I just think that's really basic to like cookie dough. And I just thought Troughton's gonna like something really weird, isn't he? Like rum and raisin. Oh yes, he probably does like rum and raisin. Actually, yeah, he probably does. He probably but does. I don't know. I I just. And then I thought, what would they have available at an ice cream van at Cardiff Bay in the late morning? <laughs> and I thought, he's gone for mint chocolate chip mm, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and chocolate mint in the script, but yes. Well, you could have changed. I always say to the cast, if you ever want to change a line, you may. Mm. Alana changed a couple lines in the script just to, to make it sound a bit more Australian. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, but speaking of that scene, David, there was three moments in this story. So... Mm. Actually, that's not true. This story came to me after I was playing Resident Evil Seven, <laughs> and I was uh, I uh, during lockdown. I decided to finally play Resident Evil Seven, a game I've owned for <laughs> about four years. And oh gosh, yes, uh, I, I've got so many games on Steam that I have I've bought and I've either started or just not started. Uh, yeah, yes. It's 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 been a good time to get through things like Steam libraries and Audible libraries. Unless you're producing a podcast, <laughs> forty minutes a week, Mark. That's all it takes. Forty minutes a week. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> but anyway, for those of you not in the know, long story short, Resident Evil Seven is like a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre inspired game with a spooky house uh, on a swamp, uh, which is why Catchlove Hall is is at the wetlands. Mm. And there's there's parts of the game where you're hiding from a character that's stalking you, and you've got to crawl through the walls in order to get through it. And and I remember thinking, oh, wouldn't that be great if that were Troughton? And and um, and then I had this idea that he went with a colleague who gets possessed, and that the the majority of the story was going to be that. And then I realized that it it got like I began to write it in, at the part where. Tasha is possessed and she comes after him. I thought Troughton runs upstairs. Why does he run upstairs? And then why do why do any horror characters run upstairs rather than outside? Yeah, and and this is it. And and this is where oh, and I'm going to put on my wanker writer hat here. But Troughton wouldn't he wouldn't let me do that. He he would try and talk her down. He'd be like, "Look, I'm not going to hurt you. You're not going to hurt me. Ow, you hurt me. Mm. <laughs> but you don't want to hurt me. Ow, you hurt me again." <laughs> Why yeah. do you keep stabbing me? <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought Troughton, at this point in his life, after what he's been through, he's, you know, I mean, in the script for Leave a Light On For Me, when he sees the person on the roof, it says Troughton speaks with the authority of a man who is used to controlling a room. Mm. And he's like, what are you doing up there, you twat? And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, after everything he's been through, he's not going to let, he's not a hero. He's not, the doctor or anything but he wouldn't let that happen and then all of a sudden the entire premise of the episode was that Troughton was running through a house being chased by a possessed friend and all of a sudden that just felt ridiculous and then it it just became a very you know a short scene but the three moments I knew was going to happen is that Troughton was going to say there's no doubting it now 
Uh, I knew there was going to be a point where we went into Troughton's head while a spirit was trying to possess him, mm-hmm. and we could hear all sorts of stuff there. And I also, uh, and I, and I knew, and the first thing I wrote was Troughton, quote unquote, coming out, mm. and it was, and that monologue was such a pleasure to write because I normally have to write. I go over a scene a few times, add stuff, take away stuff. I just I wrote that in one sitting, and it didn't really change much. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who's used to text me will know that I took out a few typos, <laughs> but that was it. And 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 I said to myself, you know, David normally gets takes right on the first try. He he knows what I want and he knows like Troughton. So, but I thought this monologue, I will need to be harsh on David because this monologue <laughs> is Troughton's been coming to this. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. I never intended to write it. I never mm, ever mm-hmm. thought that I would need him to talk about it and yet it just it just came into my head that that once he's kind of broken and he's at a point where everything he knew about spooky stuff has mm. changed mm-hmm. that he might start to cast that gaze internally and so in, in a strange way he has and he hasn't always been on his way to saying this so I, so I said to myself David uh, you know I, I'm gonna have to be a horrible to David I'm gonna have to really direct him get like five takes you know just like the lefty you know <laughs> and <laughs> yes I'm coming out of the closet <laughs> but um anyway and you David what was that <laughs> oh, was that, that was, was vampire like... trouton <laughs> it, it, it just sounded like um um Ah, how many uh, limits can I break for myself today? One, ah, 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 ah two, ah, 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 ah. yes. <clears throat> I wouldn't put that in a story; it would scare Trump too much, can't <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but David, you fucking nailed it on the first take, and you just you got it. And then, like, even the bits where I just, you know, I, I, I like brackets Trouton really thinks about this. You just you. You nailed it, David. Absolutely nailed it. And if we were to make a show reel to pitch you for a an award, it would include that. You just <laughs> nailed you. it, my friend. Uh, bravo! And I- oh, thank you, thank you. But yeah, David. Honestly, hats off to you. That was such a good performance. It, it was uh, it, that that it was actually quite easy. Um, it goes if you spoke to me sort of fifteen years ago, then that's where I would have been. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have been not even in my mid forties or mid forties, as it says. Um, but yeah, the 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 kind of repression and everything that he speaks about. I mean, I didn't even have the the fumbling under the bedclothes in uh, at boarding school or anything like that so um <laughs> so so from that point of view uh because that the the thing is that when when you're growing up and you know that you're different that's very isolating and anyone that has grown up different will know what that's like hmm. um and uh Troughton obviously felt that he is a a few years older than me, not a huge amount older than me, but even um, having those kinds of questioning thoughts in the late 80s, early 90s would have been mm. uh, on the back of AIDS. It would have been on the back of... You, know, you saw how Philip Schofield, for instance, only came out this year, 2020, mm. and people said, oh, why didn't you do it back in the 80s and 90s? But you could see in the papers how people were hounded for not being normal 
And certainly when I was growing up, the, the only people I knew that were gay, uh, and there was only about two, but they were they were very... And I'm... Choo- I, I'm yeah, they they were very camp. And that wasn't... That, that sort of camp was the only thing that I saw gay men being. Yeah. And, and I thought, that is not me. And if that is what being gay means, then that's, that's really difficult. Uh, and so... I know it's sort of competition, David, but try realising that you like men and you like women <laughs> and you're not actually knowing that you can like both. Mm, yeah, yeah, true. But at <laughs> least you could have girlfriends legitimately. In theory. In theory. But you yes. try being out and trying to get a girlfriend. <laughs> no, I know it's true. We, uh, To be honest, I think we have mm. very different experiences and I think they were both, mm. I can imagine they were both very challenging for very different reasons. Absolutely, yes. Uh, so, yeah, the what i saw of people being gay was not what i what i felt myself to be hmm. and um probably the, the, the well there was the groundbreaking um what was the other russell t davis thing that came out queer as folk queer as folk yes even that felt that was scary for me because again, it was quite. There, there was a lot of scene on there. I, I don't like the scene. I've, I've never liked the scene in general, and and mm. the loud. I, I've never been. I'm not a clubbing kind of guy. I'm not. I can't imagine you in the middle of a club. No, no, not really at all. <laughs> so, so that that was sort of what was community, and this is why representation is so important having people who are who are like you and that you can see are like you um to be able to show okay yeah i i'm all right i'm not alone i'm not isolated there are other people like me Mm. um and uh so from that point of view i very much feel for Troughton because he hasn't had anyone certainly when he was growing up and and what he describes of um uh, he just keeps his head down and gets on with his work and he does his degrees keeps on keeps on working keeps on working and just sort of compartmentalizes and and puts it out of his mind Mm -hmm. yeah I can I can absolutely see where he's coming from there you know we've taken that away from him now because he had history and, mm-hmm. and and that's what he knew and loved and now he i don't know he might even look at past historical events differently knowing that mm. the supernatural is there um absolutely i still don't think that he's um going to be some sort of voracious sexual lothario or anything like that well this is it and, and i'm very hesitant to give him labels and i know that and, mm. I, and i and i actually don't know why because I'm very happy with my label, because when I discovered that word, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but when I discovered that word, it was so comforting. I was like, oh my god, I'm not mm. mentally ill. I mean, I am, uh, and, <laughs> but like not in that sense. And and it was amazing. And I don't know why, and I don't know whether I'm just protective of Troughton, or whether I just want to keep Troughton vague so that listeners can project themselves onto Troughton. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I don't mm-hmm. want to give him a title, but he's not 
really into girls, and he's not really a sexual being. He's mm, he's mm-hmm. um. I mean, he's he's had the fumbles, and and I'm sure you know he, he you know he, who knows what he does on a on a chilled out evening with a glass of wine. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just think I can't. I don't see love interest in the future for him. And I no. I think if we gave him someone who was interested in him, I might even be tempted to write that because I can definitely see what his responses would be. But that's why um, Flanagan is his friend, uh, Tasha, because mm. um, Tasha's not been in the country long. I imagined her to be a conventionally attractive woman. Mm-hmm. When Tasha came to the university, Troughton was one of the few men not buzzing around her mm. and not like trying to ask her out on a date all the time. And and so she and she even says to him, "We're friends because I forced it on you." And, mm. and it's a bit like Data in Star Trek, where Data doesn't have emotions, or at least he didn't used to. And he says to mm-hmm. he says in one episode, "I can't miss people, but." I'm used to your proximal no I'm used to your physical proximity and when that is removed <laughs> my process like my programming looks for it. Mm, mm. I always thought that was a beautiful way to describe a robot missing someone an android sorry missing <laughs> yes. someone who couldn't. But you can certainly see how um uh, he he sort of uh says that when he's doing his monologue about um how the other boys were were sexual beings they hounded women mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean i remember at school everyone was talking about girlfriends and and whatnot i didn't really feel like that at all mm. so yeah i i would certainly say that Troughton is is more asexual than anything else but from a mm-hmm. a homosexual vank viewpoint yeah i mean i guess you could say like a homosexual um asexual but i think perhaps mm. some of my trepidation might be in the in the fact that i'm i'm very much not asexual <laughs> and i don't i'm very i'm very aware that it's a spectrum i'm, I'm quite lucky to know quite mm. a few asexual people in my life and Mm-hmm. They're all very different to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost as if people are individuals. That's amazing craziness, isn't it? But <laughs> it? And it's a spectrum. And I just feel like sometimes if I use that word for him, it might restrict people's idea of him. Mm-hmm. And and Troughton, the whole reason why I think Trout, people resonate to Troughton is is and and all due respect to to Mr. James, but a lot of James protagonists and Troughton. Let's be honest. Troughton was my James uh, protagonist, mm-hmm. but a lot of James's antagonists were, let's be honest, self inserts that were stuffy professors, and it's just their job to go, what, what, who, what is that thing coming over the hill? Is it a monster? Is what the hell did that reference come from? Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's like they're, they're, it's their job to kind of go, what is this? Who this haunted antiquarian mm. thing? Uh, uh, this haunted antiquity and. I just wanted to give Troughton um, a personality, and I remember when I first started writing him, he didn't like that he was given a full English that was greasy, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it, and he he became like the snobby guy, and I think he just had more personality than most of my other characters did. So uh, even though they were all quite different, uh, he stood out, and I wonder if that's why people liked him. But now like, he he's so well formed in my head that I also know what he would do in certain situations, and there are certain things that I know will not come out. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Until I put 
you know fingers to keyboard and and then i i start to to, to write it and and yeah um sometimes it's it's almost like a thought exercise where someone goes uh, uh a bouncy castle what would trap do like he'd refuse to go on him like, <laughs> <laughs> yes i i like Troughton. i i he's he is very he's yeah i i like the character and uh it, it'll be interesting sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where he does go from here cuz he could go in a number of ways but um please tell me mark that uh he is going to be replaced at Warwick University by <laughs> Dr. Pertwee. <laughs> that would be very delicious if that were to happen. But with regards to his future, I mean, I've deliberately written this story in such a way where if there's no more, this is a nice way to end it. It is, yes. yes. Um, because there's a lot of possibilities as to where he could go from here. And mm. But then I've also been coy, and there's quite a lot of world building in this story. Uh, there's some little... <laughs> I mean... There's some stuff in here that really sets things up if people want it. But, and, and perhaps this is not good marketing, but <laughs> I will only write more if people want it. And, and I do respond well to uh, feedback so of all kinds. So let me know if you do want to hear more of Troughton because I really, one thing I really hate seeing, and I don't know whether this will stay in the edit because, you know, <laughs> I'm not aiming this at anyone in particular but i hate seeing artificial demand mm. like you know even like from when you walk past the shop and they're like well we've barely got any of these left come get them and then you know they've got like 50 yeah. but i also hate it when like i see someone saying oh well people are demanding for this and i'm like who is though who's mm. demanding mm -hmm. i'm not seeing it um <laughs> and and i don't like that i just and I know you've got to fake it till you make it and all these marketing things, but I, I can't fake it. I'm a very sincere person. <laughs> you are, yes. I go off feedback and, I, and, and, and inspiration as well. So I know people love Slender Chances, for example. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I've written a couple stories this season that was quite raw and emotion, and, and there is a need for me just to go spooky. <laughs> all spooky no feelings um, yes. <laughs> but even even with slender chances i put in this very subtle subplot that tom uh, fancies nat mm -hmm. and actually more people picked up on that than i thought they would so that was good <laughs> yeah yes and and the obviously the best way uh, to talk to us about uh, about your feelings about Troughton is to just Message us. We're on Twitter. Mark is on Facebook and Instagram, holding all of that down. Mm. Uh, Forty minutes a week, Mark. And um... <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> or you can email us, uh, or you can do what other people have done, which is to donate to our Kofi. And uh, we've had some really generous uh, donations recently. And thank you to everyone. Mm. Who has been able to put that? Yes, I know this is the usual, this is the funding drive bit, um, but if you do want to say that you want more Trouton, then uh, a good couple of grand in in the account, and I'm sure that Mark would be happy to uh, to write a few more. But no, but seriously, uh, if if you want season three, um, then we do need some more money. And there's and and I know we teased this last episode, and I'm gonna tease it once more but there's something quite special 
for season three that we're planning that you haven't seen anything like it in season one or two. Mm. So, by God, you know, please, if you want to hear these amazing ideas that we have, this is the <laughs> the, the charity drive bit. It's like, it is, it is, yes. David needs to read ghost stories. <laughs> yeah. Mark needs to feed and clothe his kids. <laughs> <laughs> I have a job as well, David. That's how. That's why we. You know, if I didn't have a job, if you guys could put in so much money that I didn't have to have a job. Well, you, you could know. find him a, a nice job. Um. Yeah, we, uh, yeah <laughs> doing full-time podcasting. Yep. Um, but yeah, so if... Just think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and if you can't give any money, then don't worry. Uh, we aren't going to steal the food off your table. Uh, just please tell your friends... Tell everyone you know. Um, give us a nice five star review. Uh, help other people listen to us. Basically, sh- spread the shadows so that hopefully other people will be able to mm-hmm. to donate to us as well after they have enjoyed everything that yes, we uh, we have to offer. And uh, talking of people who are trying to spread the spooky love, this it is now time for our podcast recommendation slot, which means I need to play our stinger. Hey, um, <laughs> this episode's recommendation is the wonderful, the amazing, the lucky die mm. pod. And if you're uh, interested in D and D, actual play, podcasting, things like that, then the lucky die is one of the best out there. And I know that I'm saying this as someone who occasionally plays a character on there, one of the voices. So yes, I have skin in the game. Are you um, like a um, someone who owns a tavern? Are you like a Skyrim NPC where people they walk in and you just go, everything's for sale. If I had a sister, I'd sell her in an instant. <laughs> I am actually um, an evil interdimensional being, but, you know, similar sort of thing. Of course you are. Yeah. Not typecast, are you, David? I'm not at all typecast. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but yeah, so they have finished their first season. Uh, it's a long season, uh, but you can hear them, you can hear that uh, i did some interviews for them i've interviewed the cast those have gone out as uh, specials the the inter-season break and they are going to be starting season two very soon actually a lot more fun than you think for those of you that haven't played it but perhaps we can prove that to you because david i've heard a rumor a rumor they might be doing a spooky one shot a spooky one shot with with two people who uh, us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just getting ready to go, who? Who? Okay, it's us. Yes, yes, we are going to be doing a spooky one-shot episode with um, Aethor from the White Vault and obviously the Lucky Die. Uh, Volley is going to be, who is the documentarian in the White Vault, uh, she's going to be doing the DMing, so uh, yeah, you can, you'll be able to join us for that at some point. Yeah, and I haven't played D&D in like a year. So <laughs> let's see how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I think the the best way that someone described D&D to me is is interactive storytelling. Yeah. So that's if you want to hear us go on a guided adventure where we're making it up as we go along. Yeah. And possibly dying. And we're not playing ourselves, uh, you know, then... we'll, we'll have characters. No, no, obviously not. Well, <laughs> We've still got to make those. Oh, yeah. My character is going to be called uh, Vavid Vault. 
<laughs> and I'm going to be Park Pixon. <laughs> Park Pixon does sound like quite a D&D like pixie name. <laughs> yeah, yes. I imagine they have an Irish accent hmm. for some reason. <laughs> Hello there, I'm Park Pixon. <laughs> See, there's a character already. If anyone uses Park Pixon in their campaign, I want money. <laughs> David and I are joking. <laughs> oh, goodness. Don't you worry, everything here is for sale. If I had a sister, I'd sell her as well. <laughs> you know, there's um, that's off Skyrim, and uh, it's an amazing game, but they have five voice actors, and whenever you go into a city, it's like everyone will just have the same voice, and it annoys me. And the voice actors mm. are good, but one of them is always doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, <laughs> I used to be the dancer like you until I took an arrow in the knee. <laughs> which I've actually since learned that arrow in the knee was a metaphor for getting married. Oh, right. I thought it was a, a literal arrow in the knee. Yeah, I, I would have thought so, yes. But, but yeah, oh, they have like okay. five voice actors who voice everyone, and it's a bit odd, but uh, when there's so mm. many talented voice actors out there, please hire David, he's very good. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jake and Amanet and Erica. Um, <laughs> so, so our five voice actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Jake, Ilana, Erica, and you. <laughs> oh, okay. Shadows at the door can populate your fantasy world. Just uh, email at shadowsatthedoor at gmail dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the lucky die is uh, definitely a podcast to check out. So please do so, and we will point you in the direction of our um, special one shot episode when we have it and when we've yes. done it. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff that we put out on Twitter as we're doing it going, oh, fuck, 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 yes. fuck, or something that like that. sounds about right. <laughs> about right, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Bread and Salt yesterday, and when it finished, uh, Spotify randomly put on The Devil and Tom Walker, and I just left it on. Mm. Hooray, um, listening figures! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one extra listen because listeners if you do have any kind of streaming services and uh, you go out during the day if you're not locked down um, then leave it on for your pets leave it on for any burglars that might come in leave it on for your house plants just just keep us streaming please oh my god is there a dog listing right now <laughs> who's a good boy you're very good who's boy. a good boy yes, yes, yes you are yes you are yes you are you know, although this is the season finale, and you know when we start production on season three is is depends on how successful we are in funding. We do have a few uh, mm. special bonus episodes uh, coming up in, within the next couple of months. Mm. Um, hopefully, you know things that you'll you'll quite enjoy. Things that are a little bit different, and things that um, you are quite familiar with that you uh, enjoy. So, um, this mm-hmm. is goodbye. But not forever. So um, the bonus content that you may be able to look forward to. Uh, We have a couple more Mm -hmm. drunk ghost stories planned. uh, But there is possibly, maybe, going to be a Christmas special. And and perhaps uh, more of a window into into the actors. A round round table, as one... Mm-hmm. Say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes for all that and more uh, please keep your feeds active because we are still wanting to make content and I'm, 
we hope that you are still wanting to consume it. Yes, and you know, let us know what parts of the of this season and indeed season one that you enjoyed the most. And you know, although we do write the things that we want to write, uh, and by we I mean me. <laughs> At the same time, it makes sense to write what you guys love, and you know, let us mm-hmm. know. But like I said, this season yeah. was all about pushing boundaries, and I, and we pushed it in so many different ways, in so many mm. different directions. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we probably can continue down that route. But then, if there's certain directions people enjoy the most, I'm very open to hearing that and and stuff. So, mm-hmm. tweet us. Yep. So, yes, get get in touch with us. Um, if you want Troughton in the haunted massage parlor, then that's going to need a fairly substantial donation to the Kofi. I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, I'm not. <laughs> I say, what are you rubbing now? <laughs> <laughs> you just had to go there, Mark, didn't you? You just you, you had the line. You, you know, in D and D, I believe that would be Mage Hand. <laughs> Question for any uh, more experienced players out there: Can you wank someone off with Mage Hand? That would be a good way to distract a guard. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and as well, the the big secret of this season is normally with, with um, as we we went on, and the production was moving quite quickly. The big secret is David and I often record these discussions before we've heard Nico's music. This is very true. Yes, and every single time. I hear it, and David hears it. I'm like, oh my god, it's so good! You know, I just need to scream about it. And then I, I, I worry that Nico doesn't get the recognition he so very much deserves. And mm-hmm. indeed, at the point of recording, we haven't heard the music, but... but we've heard the sample, and it sounds really, really amazing. It sounds oh, on yeah. point. But I think if 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 you were to hear these episodes for these season both seasons without Nico's music you would realize how much of a vital part mm, it is mm-hmm. and how amazing his work is so Absolutely. please do yeah. send Nico your love mm-hmm. on Twitter because I feel like he needs more love so <laughs> yes absolutely but anyway before I go David mm-hmm. I just want to say you were fantastic oh. absolutely fantastic and you know what so was I You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Story by Mark Nixon. Performances by David Alt, Ilana Charnel Gelbart, and Jake Benson. Score by Nico Vitesse. Production by Mark Nixon. Production copyright Shadows at the Door Publishing. Story copyright of the author. If you have enjoyed this production, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you very soon. All right, Mark. I'm going to speak like this to you, I think. All the way through. Oh. All right, Troughton. What's occurring? (laughs) Oh, God. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.